0: Shabbat Shalom! Baruch Hashem, Yahuwah! We had some trouble, must have done some updates on Facebook, but they didn't want us over there today. So let your friends know we're here, we're live on... Our broadcast today, but we're not broadcasting over on Facebook. But we don't care because Yahoo is with us and we're going everywhere and anywhere, regardless what big tech has in store for us. Yahoo has got bigger plans for his people and his message will get out because you and I are gonna be moving in the power of the Ruach HaKodesh in this day and in this time. We're in Acts chapter 2, greetings to the 12 tribes scattered abroad. You wondered if I was going to even greet you this Shabbat, didn't you? But I won't let you down because Yahweh will not let us down in these days and this time. Acts chapter 2 is a powerful text, a powerful text, because as I was taught, and many of you were taught, it's the birth of the church. Well, sadly it isn't. And I'm reminded of a saying by that great fellow from yesteryear called Mark Twain who said, what gets us into trouble is not what we don't know. It's what we know for sure that just ain't so. Like the birth of the church that we know for sure But it just ain't so, and it just so happens that my audience, you guys out there, over the past 20 years have been making so many discoveries in your life that you thought were so, but now you realize that they just ain't so. And I'm talking to all of you out there, and I'm talking about many things that we most probably can't get too far into on the old YouTube, because we're looking up into the skies and we're seeing moons and planets and universes. We're talking about all kinds of things that we were taught when we were younger and we never questioned. But they're just not so, are they? Well, Acts chapter 2 really does epitomize that, doesn't it? And I'm excited to get into this text because it says right here, and when the moed of Shavuot was fully counted by the Omer, that's a perfect translation of Acts chapter 2. And because of that translation, it opens up a whole world to us, doesn't it? We've got a timestamp. We're talking the Feast of Shavuot and the counting of the Omer. Just by that very sentence right there in the text would cause a massive, massive paradigm shift that would affect our lives. And this is really the time in which you and I are seeing and in questioning many, many things. Is it an enlightenment? I would say yes, because really the lies that have been told and the propaganda that surrounds so many today. But Yahweh, through the power of his Holy Spirit in his people, is removing them from the world because we are questioning and looking at things through a whole different lens. And it's the lens of Scripture it's the lens of being the 12 tribes scattered abroad and seeing that Yahweh has a plan in our lives in this day. Because by this counting of the Omer and by this time stamp of Shavuot, everything changes. Because if you can prove without a shadow of a doubt in Acts chapter 2 that this is not the birth of the church, But this, in fact, is a ratification of a nation that goes back to Exodus chapter 19. Then you're going to see something that will change your life forever. And when the Moed of Shavuot was fully counted by the Omer, they were all with one accord in one place. Let me ask you a question. When the children of Israel, all 12 tribes that were scattered abroad and collected through tyranny, and the sojourner that was with them, when they came to the foot of the mountain in Exodus 19, were they all gathered together in one accord? And was that at Shavuot? And the answer would be yes. Because they said, all that Yahweh has said, one accord, we shall do. Right here, we're seeing the fulfillment of this prophecy. And suddenly there came a sound. Let me ask you another question. Was there suddenly a sound when they were gathered together at one accord in Mount Sinai? Well, yes, it was the sound from Sinai from the heavens, from the Shamaim as a groaning ruach, a groaning spirit. And it filled, the Hebrew word here is bayit, house. And it filled the bayit, the house, where they were sitting. And when you realize that the Hebrew word bayit is a Hebrew idiom for the temple of Yahuwah, it breaks free your thinking. They weren't sitting in an upper room. They weren't sitting in some little terraced house. They were sitting in the house, the Bait, the temple of Yahuwah. Because if they had been somewhere else on Shavuot, they would have been in rebellion unto Yahuwah. Because Yahweh's word commands that on Shavuot, you are to gather together in his tabernacle, temple, and participate in the Feast of Shavuot. Deuteronomy chapter 17, 2 Chronicles chapter 6, Ezekiel chapter 43, and Luke chapter 24. So, of course, this is something powerful that unlocks our mind when we come into this paradigm shift. Because in Exodus chapter 19, there was the first time you saw the ratification of a nation. It really was, Exodus 19, the 1776 of Israel, wasn't it? It was their declaration of independence from tyranny, from the yoke of servitude under Pharaoh. They were free Now, would it make sense if the law is a burden, if the Torah is a burden, that Yahuwah would deliver us from Egypt and then place us under the law? Well, that makes no sense because then you're just exchanging one tyrant for another. So traditional theology, even though they wouldn't admit it, Their God is a tyrant who places you under the law. Well, then he's no different than Pharaoh. That's not liberty. But Yahweh isn't a tyrant, and he didn't place us under the law. He gave us the book of the covenant, Exodus chapter 19, which is liberty from tyranny because it's a priesthood, and you're a holy nation and a people that are being gathered in. It is only because of rebellion to Yahuwah that you were placed under the law because you wanted to worship the idols of the nations and you wanted to close up your mind and follow the dictates of men. And you didn't want to hear when all this evidence of liberty, all this evidence of freedom was all around you. No, you chose to listen to men and their foolery, their folly, their stupidity as they worship demons and idols. But there's always been a few people that said no. No, we're not going to go the broad road. We are going for liberty. We are going for freedom. And we serve an Elohim of freedom who sets people free from tyranny. I suggest to you today that we, just like Israel in Exodus chapter 19, we have our liberty. If you will live it, apprehend it, and take it into your life by the power of the Holy Spirit. But intimidation is all around you. And the gods of this world and the pharaohs of this world and the armies of men are oppressing mankind. But Yahweh says, stand and see your deliverance is at hand. You can choose to go under the law of men, which will be a schoolmaster to you, and you'll end up breaking that, and you'll end up in a FEMA camp. You'll end up in Babylon, and all of the analogies and metaphors that are in the scripture will come true in your life. They'll put hooks into your lips, and they'll take you into Babylon. And you know what? They might even slay all of your children in front of your eyes and pluck your eyes out in that system of servitude. But there's another choice for us. This is an Acts chapter 2 choice? It's the choice Of taking in the liberty and the freedom and the power of the Holy Spirit. To set me free from tyranny. The tyranny of my mind when it goes into fear. The tyranny of intimidation when it comes at me. And the threat from the laws of man which oppress. There's another way. And that's what Yahweh is showing us through Acts chapter 2. This is our declaration of independence. This isn't the birth of the church. This is a declaration of independence and the disciples knew it and they came out of fear and they moved into power. This is a great chapter for us in these days. Now, traditionally, the rabbis at the time, they would stand when reading the Torah scroll and then they would sit for teaching the Torah afterwards. And you would have the homily in the temple and the synagogues. So the Bait was the house of Yahuwah. This was the temple. Now, in the time of Yehusha there were two types of exposition of the word. Number one, there was, of course, the traditional Jewish or Judaic Talmudism, um, and they would do the Midrash, and that was used by the rabbis. But down in Qumran and the Essenes, they would use what was called the Pesha, the Pesha, and there was a difference. Now, the Midrash, that contained a detailed, Exegesis, where they was extracting the information from the Torah text, and they would move from Scripture, the Torah, the writings, and the prophets, to an application. Now, if you go back and you look at my um, traditional Torah series, and we did, you know, many, many, many editions of that, you'll see that I employed that type of teaching okay, more of a midrash, where I'm moving from scripture to application. I'm going from portion to portion to portion. But then you see the way the Essenes and those down in Qumran, they would use the Pesha. It was totally, totally different. Now, when they were were taking that style of teaching, it was a lot more revolutionary. It was a lot more of a revolutionary stance to scripture. With Not so much exegesis. They weren't extracting so much information from the text. And they were stressing a lot more of a direct fulfillment now in a revolutionary stance. So when I taught revelation, was I in more of a midrashic stance or more of a pesha stance? I was a lot more revolutionary, right? So those two... Two different types of teaching are still very apparent today and should be. And there's a time and a place for when they should be used. I'm going to have to turn up my volume, right? I can hear babies screaming. Can you hear them? How do we do this? All right, I'm on the wrong nozzle here. We're live. That's what happened. Oh, and that's better. Now, good system we've got here. I just drowned that. I'm going to have to have one of these um, in my work. Yes, yes. So anyway, the Pesha takes more of a revolutionary stance, doesn't have as much much exegesis where you're extracting information from the text. But this is what was going on right at the time of Acts chapter 2. You had the traditional Midrashic teaching, and then you had this revolutionary stance, the Pesha that was coming out. And what was that being used for? To waken people up specifically the priesthood, those in the Levitical priesthood were being woken up to the reality of the birth, if you will, of the Malkitzedic priesthood or the rebirth of the malchizedek priesthood. And as you can see, myself as a teacher, I've employed the latter, the Midrashic, um, more in the past, but then here in 2020, I've... <laughs> I've um, you know, employed more of that Pesha revolutionary stance in my application in Scripture. So, you know, just so that you know. Now, I hope as we go through the book of Acts that you'll see as a teacher that I'm going to try now to balance both. Now, of course, that's a challenge for me, even though I'm naturally in these days and times more inclined, as you know, to the revolutionary stance. But we really are living in that time between Midrash and Pesha. Between, yes, we want to extract information from the text, but there is also a need for a revolutionary stance. I feel that. Otherwise, I feel that I would not be moving in power. Because the sad thing is, brethren... If the traditional Christian church had taken more of a pesher application to scripture in the past five years, you wouldn't have churches that would have buckled the knee to Baal right now. And they would say, no, you can't shut us down. No, you can't lock us down. We have the freedom of religion. We have the freedom of assembly. And we will not buckle to tyranny. But you see, they took a benefit which has a penalty, and it's called a 501c3. In reality, you're already tax exempt if you're a religious organization under the Constitution. You don't have to go and beg for something that you already have. Now that applies to a lot of other things in your life. So just think about it because when you apply for something you get a privilege but with a privilege always comes penalties and you will find if you stick with freedom you won't have to apply for it because it's given to you when you're in the power of the Holy Spirit. But there we go, I don't want to get too much off because I've got to stay not only in a revolutionary stance, in a midrashic teaching stance today too. But all that to say this, if the disciples had scurried off into a little upper room somewhere on Shavuot, they would have been in disobedience to Yahuwah, and they wouldn't have had the blessing of the Holy Spirit poured out on them, because they would have been in rebellion to Torah. They would have been lawless. So they had to be in the temple to receive what is about to come next, which is the turnaround fulfillment. 3,000 were slaughtered because of their rebellion and bowing the knee to the laws of men and the gods of men. But now they're being restored and replenished. It's the full quiver coming in. So if they were somewhere other than the temple on Shavuot, they would have been in rebellion to the word of Yahuwah. And they certainly... Certainly wouldn't have received a blessing for it, would they? And you can see that in Deuteronomy chapter 16, they're told where to gather on Shavuot. In Leviticus chapter 23, they're told where to gather on Shavuot. And the Ruach HaKodesh certainly wouldn't have been given to a bunch of Torah breakers gathering in their own place of choosing. <gasps> But in my heart I was in the temple. Well no, that I'm sorry. But in my heart, you know, it's just it's just such a a wonderful family time and you know we get to have presents and but in my heart no that no (laughs) how many times have we followed that line of thinking? But we've been now challenged to break free from that because, my brethren, that kind of lukewarmness has led us into this place where we're at in 2020, where people aren't standing because you've spent so many years compromising that now just one more compromise doesn't matter. But the zealotry that is within Yahweh's word and the power of the Holy Spirit causes us to say, no, I've got to set some boundary stones. And those boundary stones mean that I'm chosen and elect, and I cannot go into the land that you're going into, because that's a place that I don't want to go. I need to stay within the boundaries that has given me. There's no better time, brethren, to set boundaries in your life as there is right now. So, no church, I'm sorry to say, was born on this day in Acts chapter 2. I would have liked it if I had had that revelation 25 years ago, but at least I have it today. No church was born on this day. Instead, this is Israel's promise of renewal, it's fulfilled. And it's fully realized. It's Jeremiah 31, verse 31, encapsulated in a prayer, encapsulated in the power of the Holy Spirit. And it's written in verse 3. And there appeared to them divided tongues like as fire. And it sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Ruach HaKodesh. Now, can you look back and remember... The first time you heard somebody speaking in tongues. Can you remember that? I mean, I can. I mean, I did some crazy stuff in my youth. But when I first, (laughs) when I first heard somebody speaking in tongues, I was like, what on earth is going on? And there have been, and oftentimes, there have been counterfeits of this especially in the Pentecostal movement, which then discredits the authenticity of Yahuwah's gift, or manifestation, I should say, of the gift in this operation of tongues. Yes, there are many counterfeits out there, but there is also the truth of what is being revealed, not only here in Acts chapter two, but later Paul speaks to the Corinthians about it. So don't discount the truth just because we've seen counterfeits out there. That, again, is something to throw you off of the trail. And there appeared to them divided tongues like as fire. And it sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Ruach HaKodesh. And they began to speak with other tongues and languages as the Ruach HaKodesh gave them utterance. And there were dwelling in Yerushalayim, Jerusalem, Jews, devout men, out of every nation under heaven. Now... When this was noised abroad, the multitude, they came flocking together and they were confused because every man heard them speak in his own language. Put a marker right under that, verse 7. And they were all amazed and they were marveled, saying one to another, See, are not all these who speak Galileans? And then how do we hear them speaking in our own native language? There's Parthians and Medes and Elamites and those Israelites dwelling in Aram, among whom were Jews and those of Cappadonia and those from Pontus and Asia Minor and Phrygia and Parthlia, and even in Mitzrayim, Egypt, and in other parts of Libya near Cyrene and Jews and strangers scattered, even from Rome, along with the Jaffirahs. There were Cretans and Arabians. And we do hear them speak in our tongues the wonderful works of Elohim. And they were all amazed and they were all stunned. And they were in doubt saying to one another, what on earth is going on here? What on earth is going on? And others mocking said, (laughs) well, these men, they're full of new wine. But Kepha, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and he said to them, The men of Judah and all that you that are staying here in Jerusalem, be this known to you and listen to my words. It's not even cocktail hour yet. There's no way that they're drunk as suppose it's only nine o'clock in the morning. I'm all right. I'm paraphrasing a little, but, you know, I'm trying to make it a little more relatable to you. But these are the massive paradigm shifts that we see. And of course, we know from verse 16 that this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel before. And it's now coming into its fulfillment. Of course, it comes to us from the text of Joel chapter 2 and verse 28. Where it is written, and upon the female servants in those days, I will pour out my ruach. It's very easy to discount what's happening here and go, oh, well, this is just tongues of men in a known language. And you'd be correct. But there's two parts to this amazing thing powerful prophecy of Joel chapter 2 verse 28 you see there's always a little truth and then they build upon that and create a fabrication a construct all right but the reality of it there are two types of tongues number one there's the tongues of men a known language That's what's happening here in Acts chapter 2. Because we just saw that in verse 6. Definitely, for sure and for certain. But there is also, number two, the tongues of angels. It's an unknown tongue. Now, oftentimes, people don't want to talk about that. Or they'll go way off just in the tongues of angels. But we have to be balanced. Again, going back to how we started today, Midrash and pesha, right? There's a balance between the two. And that's all I'm saying right here. There are two types of tongues. Here in chapter two, we've got the tongues of men. It is definitely a known language. I totally agree. But at other times, there is in the nations, the tongues of angels. And that is an unknown language and you'll see that evidenced in first corinthians chapter 14 verse 13 where it is written wherefore let him that speaketh in an unknown tongue that is definitely different than what's going on here and it is clarified by the apostle paul as to what is going on in verse six so 1 Corinthians, 1, 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 13 is different. It is distinct. Wherefore, let him that speaketh in an unknown tongue pray that he may interpret. It's an unknown language because it is the language of the malachim, the language of angels. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 1, it is written, Though I speak with the tongues of men... Acts chapter 2 verse 6 and of angels 1 Corinthians chapter 14 verse 13. So there's a balance, isn't there? There's a balance. So the Torah Pasha that would actually be read at this time because remember this is Shavuot the Torah Pasha section of scripture according to the traditional reading. Now, there was several types of reading. There was the annual cycle where you'd read through the whole of the Torah. After Sukkot, you would begin in Bereshit. And then it would wrap all the way up and finish right before Sukkot the following year. That's the annual cycle. But there was also the triennial cycle where you'd read it through in three years, three years. But the traditional annual cycle, reading for Shavuot, interestingly enough, always read immediately following Shavuot, is the actual inception point of speaking in tongues. How about that? And that's something that people don't realize, that the speaking of tongues is a Torah thing. It's not a New Testament concept. It's Torah, and it comes from the Torah portion that follows right after Shavuot in the annual cycle. Turn with me to the book of Numbers, Numbers chapter 11, verse 23, and we will discover that speaking in tongues is a Torah thing. It's not a Pentecostal thing. It's been hijacked and perverted, but that doesn't make it any less true. Let's get out of the counterfeit and come back to the Torah of Yahuwah. Now, this is right after the graves of the lust. Now, remember, they'd left Egypt... Now they're like, oh, man, what about the garlic? And we should, maybe we should go back to Egypt. And so they come to the graves of the lust, and there is the newly appointed 70 elders. And in Numbers chapter 11, verse 23, it is written, And Yahuwah said to Moshe, Is Yahuwah's arm too short? You shall see now whether my word meets you or not. And right now, in this stage of my life, this is my prayer daily. When I'm challenged, I have to call out to Yahweh and say, Yahweh, is your word going to meet me here or not? I need your word to meet me here or not. Because I'm not feeling it, but I know that you're going to be faithful to me. And Moshe went out, verse 24, and he told the people the words of Yahweh. And he gathered the 70 men of the elders of the people and set them all around the tabernacle. And Yahweh came down in a cloud and he spoke to him. And he took of the Ruach, the Holy Spirit, that was upon him, Moshe, and he then gave the Holy Spirit that was upon Moshe and he gave it to the 70 elders. And it came to pass that this transference of power rested upon them, the 70 elders, and they naba. The Hebrew word here is nabah, prophesied and they did not cease. They were excited something amazing happened here because what the Hebrew text tells us naba means to pour forth words of praising edification prophecy and songs of divine power sometimes in a language unknown to the speaker tongues the Hebrew word naba naba now, if a people would be zealous for Yahweh's land, then Yahweh will pour out his new wine and new oil upon us. But we have to be able to contain what he wants to pour out. 25 years ago, I was no way ready as a vessel, an earthen vessel, which we all are, to contain what Yahuwah is ready to pour out. And many of you right now are so frustrated because you email me and send me letters and it does touch my heart deeply because you're sharing with your loved ones because you genuinely care and you have empathy for those around you. But what you're not realizing is that Yahweh has molded you and he has shaped you as vessels that you're able to hold what Yahweh has poured out into your life. The frustration is you don't realize that the others, their, their earthen vessels could not hold what Yahweh has given to you. And there's where the frustration is. And I know because I, I have been there. I have been there. But you have to realize how blessed you are. Yahweh has shaped you through your life to bring you to this place. as an earthen vessel that you can actually contain the revelation that he's poured out into your life. The rub is that maybe your partner or your your child or your grandchild or your next-door neighbor with the the trees and the lights and everything, uh, you try to speak truth into their life, and it's like a sieve, man. It's like a sieve. And you're like... uh, Right? It's like a... Why? Well, this is why, brethren. Because we're zealous. And we're zealous for another land. And we're zealous for another word. And we're zealous for another king. And because of that, Yahweh was going to pour out his new wine and his new oil in your life because you can hold it, because your vessel can contain it. Rejoice. You're at Acts chapter 2, ready to receive the new wine, and you're going to have dreams, and you're going to have visions, and your dreams and visions will be nightmares to those sieves out there. Absolute nightmare. Oh, it's too much. Oh no wow, well, no. He No. And it's a nightmare to them, because their vessels are sieves. And it's terrifying what you contain in your life. It exposes them, the light shining in the darkness of their sieve, if you can. And I see this all around me. But now I don't fear it. I realize it. And I realize for such a time as this that Yahweh has developed me and you to be able to proceed in this day and time. This is the time 2020. This is the time of the new wineskin. This is the time of the new wineskin. It's about a prophetic empowering. And a public empowering. It really is. Those are the two very important and different components of the power of the Holy Spirit. That many don't tap into. And they remain tied up in timidity. Number one. There is always with the Holy Spirit. A private strengthening. Number one. There is always a private strengthening, and number two, there is always a public empowering. And people come to me and complain, "Well, I don't get it. I just don't. I don't have the confidence and the power." And and I'm like, "Whoa! whoa, whoa. We can't jump into the public empowering if we're not doing our time in the private spiritual strengthening." That's like running before you walk. So it's all about the private spiritual strengthening. And there is nothing wrong with practicing. People well you practice? That doesn't seem very spirit filled. You've got to overcome your own inhibitions. And you've you've been Put off by all of this Pentecostal mumbo jumbo, that now you don't even trust your own words and your own spirit in you. So yes, practice. I have to practice how to preach. Twenty years ago, now, I mean, goodness grief! You have, you, goodness gracious me! You have to tell me to shut up, because I, it's so natural to me. But it, I, I didn't used to be this way. I had to practice to preach. You have to practice to prayer. We practice to prayer as a family. My family does. And now my children, we have to practice to sing. There was a time when, oh, my son didn't want to sing. So guess what I did? What did I do, my blessed son? I said, well, you don't want to sing? Oh, I have a remedy for that. And I signed him up for choir practice. He only did that once. He sings all the time, like a canary now. Because he doesn't want to go back to choir practice, he was terribly embarrassed. Much better to sing in the privacy of our home than me take him down the music hall. It was a very quick remedy, wasn't it? Ah, yeah. Do you want to sing now? Would you like to come? No, I wouldn't do that. T- Maybe though, that's something that I could hold over your head, right? Let's take it to the next level. Verse 19. All that to say this. There's a private spiritual strengthening. And then from that private spiritual strengthening will come the public empowering. Don't look for the public empowering if you haven't done the private spiritual strengthening. And it's okay to practice. It's okay to practice. Yahuwah is merciful. He is gracious. He is a loving father. And he takes great joy in seeing us stumble and bumble in his ways. But he is saddened when we stumble and bumble in sin. So stumble and bumble in Yahweh's ways. He takes great joy in that. Believe me. Believe me. Truly, verse 19, and I will show wonders, and I'm sure the heavenly Malachim angels do too. And I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs in the earth beneath. There will be blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness and the moon into blood before the great and terrible day of Yahuwah comes. And it shall come to pass that whoever shall call on the name of the master Yahweh shall be saved. This is very important that we understand this particular piece of scripture. It is not just mental assent. Salvation begins with repentance and confession that then leads you into belief in operation. It cannot just be mental ascent because mental ascent is why traditional religious people are powerless right now. Powerless. Because it's abstract. But when we come back to the mountain, everything takes on structure. And that structure is what empowers us to move forward no matter what happens in the world. This is a time for structure of faith, not abstract faith. Okay? This is a very important time in the days that we live. And we see right now in the next verse, You men of Israel, listen to these words. Yahushua of Nazareth, a man approved of Yahuwah among you by signs and wonders, which Yahuwah did through him in the midst of you, as you do yourselves know. You see... Earlier, in the 14th verse, they were fellow Jews. And right here, like we spoke of last week, we see that now their are fellow Israelites, to stress the fact that they are the apostles and that they have r- woken up to the regathering of Israel. It's the building of the fallen tabernacle of David. Verse 23. Now, we now go into the petition. And proclamation of the faith. What did you do to the master of glory? Him being delivered by the determined counsel and foreknowledge of Yahweh, You have taken and by the hands of Torahless men. You have crucified and killed. Whom Yahweh hath raised up having demolished the cords of death. Because it was not possible for Sheol the grave to hold him. For David spoke concerning him, I saw my Yahweh always before my face, for he is on my right hand, that I should not be moved. Therefore did my heart rejoice and my tongue have simcha, joy. Moreover, also my body shall rest in glory because you will not leave my being corrupt in Sheol. Neither will you allow the Kadosh One, the Holy One of Israel, to see corruption. And there's nothing new under the sun. You see, I... Right now, as we enter into this new book, I'm trying to stay away from fear. But you'll see me vacillate back and forth. Why? Because I can't stay away from biblical history when it does impact my daily reality. And I think it impacts your daily reality too. I really do. You see... We're being plundered right now by corrupt leaders, just as our people right here in the text. This very piece of text, many people miss the history of it. They were being plundered then by their leaders. And you better prepare for what's going to be coming along in 2021. You see, Josephus tells us regarding this particular verse, he tells us in antiquities of the Jews, how Herod plundered or attempted to plunder and rob David's tomb. Literally, Herod attempted to rob David's tomb because of the money it contained. There's nothing new under the sun. Our leaders are attempting to plunder people's retirement people's 401k's all of their savings they are to put you on a universal basic income you can see how that's moving and yes the stock market's at 30,000 right now but we are in perilous times way worse than 1929 way worse And there's all this false hype and all of this distraction. But as it was then, so it is now. Just as Herod tried to plunder, so today are corrupt leaders. Herodians, if you will, are attempting to plunder. And they are Janus-faced, just as Herod was. Janus-faced meaning two-faced. They were actors. That's what an actor is. It's a janus faced person, a two-faced person. And that is exactly what Herod did as he attempted to rob David's tomb for the money it contained. But, just as Joel prophesied, fire came down from heaven and it killed two of his soldiers. So Herod stopped the attempt of robbery and plunder. Prophetically, do you anticipate the prophecy of Joel coming true in your lifetime? The speaking of tongues and fire coming down from heavens on those that seek to plunder. Well, I do. I fully anticipate it. And there's some of you out there that have the calendar calculations and there's various calendars around there and I'm not here to dispute that. But there are very talented individuals out there that have come up with um, calendaration that line up with Inauguration Day. And I don't know. But all I'm saying is be aware, be aware, be very aware. But history tends to repeat itself, especially prophetically here. And we need to be very aware of the plundering that is happening right under our noses specifically in this nation. But don't lose heart, because just as Herod was thwarted by fire that killed his soldiers, I believe that the elite and the globalists and all of those that are seeking to plunder today, they will be thwarted, but it won't just be a few soldiers. It will be the armies. A 200-million-man army will eventually be thwarted by fire that will come down from the heavens because Yahweh sits upon the throne and we know that we live in the times of joel the prophecies are coming true ezekiel 28 has told us that is a really powerful chapter our souls brethren have been traded by bond and we have been plundered and only the fire of the Holy Spirit can awaken you to the natural and spiritual correlation of war that is erupting right now. We have been traded by bond and those bonds... Have been sold to the Chinese and that is why we are in the predicament that we're in today it is time to come out of her people my people not just spiritually but it is contractly it is physically and spiritually no more dancing with the devil It is now time to rejoice in Yahuwah and make a decision. 2021, it's becoming plainer and plainer and plainer. You're going to get squeezed and squeezed and squeezed and squeezed more. You will either contract with Babylon to the very end, or you'll finally, I can't contract with you. It's going to be that simple. And again, I've got to watch not to get into the fear. See, I'm catching myself. I'm trying to be better. Pray for me. But COVID is tied to the robbing and plundering of graves, I'm I'm telling you. It's tied to the robbing and plundering of graves, the decedent, and financing the kings of the earth, the final battle. I don't want you to get too spiritual that you're unaware to the firepower. Because then you're of no earthly good. But we don't want to get too into the fear, Matthew, that then you cause panic. So I'm trying, and I have people that know my dilemma and are praying for me to be balanced. And I know, you know, I do get excitable, though, about all the apocalyptic stuff, though. Don't I? that verse 28 and you have made known to me the ways of life and you shall make me full of joy with your presence i mean i think part of the fun of being a believer and being awakened to all of this is is the the tension the tension between being in the world but not of the world I mean, I'm more alive now than I've ever been in my life because I'm so been awakened by the Holy Spirit and I have to go into the world. But, but I'm so aware of it that there's this constant like a rubber band. I mean, I thrive on that. Whereas before I was like, just like, you know, oblivion. I'm so glad that, yes, I have the tension of the apocalyptic thought and, and vacillate, but man... You're alive. You're alive for these days and times that we live in which are magnificent. If you have the perspective of heaven, they are magnificent. Because you can pull a grenade. And I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm talking metaphorically here, otherwise be, oh my goodness. And we're just passing through. This is not our home. This is not our hope. Okay, you're not going to see me in a rubber dinghy going out there with greenpeace okay now you may see me out there harassing Greenpeace just for a laugh, but you're not going to see me out there saving the whales okay I'd be I'd be sooner trying to carve up a whale and see if Jonah's inside it than saving the whales that's just that's the way I would view it but I have a biblical perspective. Back on tack here, shall we, Matthew? Verse 30, being a prophet. Let's go back to verse 28, because I went off on a tangent, and that's okay. Oh, it's exciting times to live, though, isn't it? Stay in order, you see. There with the Midrash, way too much pressure right there, way too much pressure. You have made known to me the ways of life, you shall make me full of joy with your presence, men and his brothers. Let me freely speak to you as of the patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried, and his tomb is with us to this day. So here's a big paradigm shift. David is not in heaven seeing with hallmarks, cherubim, and angels. Because when you die, you do not just go to heaven. This, again, is religious fantasy land that sells a lot of Hallmark cards and makes a lot of Hallmark movies, and you know what? It feels good, and it warms the cockles of my heart just like a Christmas tree used to warm the cockles of my heart. But it doesn't make it true just because it warms the cockles of your heart. Of course, when you die, you go to the grave just where david is in the grave and then you await the resurrection and in the twinkling of an eye we shall be with him because of course time and space yahuwah is beyond that and yahuwah is of course elohim upon the throne and verse 30, And being a prophet, and knowing that Yahweh had sworn with an oath to him that by the fruit of his loins, according to the flesh, he would raise up the Messiah to sit on his throne. He, seeing this before, spoke of the resurrection of Mashiach, that his being was not left in Sheol, neither did his flesh see corruption. This Yahusha has Yahuwah raised up, of which we are all witnesses. And I get excitable, and there's so much to learn in Scripture. But at the end of the day, it comes down to a very, very simple faith. Yahusha, crucified, buried, risen, sitting at the right hand of Yahuwah. Yahusha is Yahuwah manifest in the flesh. He is Elohim. If you do not believe in the deity of Yahusha, I'm afraid you're lost. It's that simple because no man can redeem his brother and the work of salvation cannot be dependent upon the works of man because our works are but filthy rags so I do not despise my traditional upbringing with Calvary Chapel when it comes to Yehusha. Yes, there was many things wrong this is not the birth of the church but I was taught correctly that Yehusha died, that he was buried and that he rose and he is alive and sits at the right hand of Yahuwah and he is divine. And if Yahusha Yahusha is not divine, then you have no way to be saved because no man can redeem his brother and no animal blood can ever atone for what mankind has done. And you are seeing the wickedness and manifestation of human sin A scar on the landscape of humanity. And unless there is Yahushua in your life, there is no hope. But for me, he is the blessed hope. And he's alive. And that is comforting. And that is confirmed by the comforter, the Holy Spirit. Been with me a long time. And I praise Yahuwah for that. Orthodoxy of the faith. That's orthodox belief. And we can never stray from that. And all of our excitement about the feasts, and all of our excitement about Torah, and all of our excitement about the apocalypse, and all, let's never get away from the orthodoxy of the deity of Yehusha. It's that simple. By the blood, by the blood, by the blood. That's why I love the book of Hebrews. Because it encapsulates our sovereign master of glory. Because otherwise, we're an apostate cult. And that just isn't so. Let me continue on. Because we see now more of this truth in the 33rd verse. Therefore, as the right hand of Yahuwah exalted and having received from Abba the promise of the Ruach HaKodash, he has sent out all this, which you now see and hear. For David is not ascended into the heavens. No, because he's still in the grave. So if David isn't ascended into the heavens, then your your great-granddad certainly hasn't ascended into the heavens. Okay? Martin Luther certainly hasn't ascended into the heavens. If David hasn't, what makes you think that great-great-granddad, you know, who was a Bible-thumping great-believer back in the 19th century? No. See, this is all part of the fantasy of lulling people to sleep so that they don't take their faith seriously. And he said unto himself right here in the 34th verse, the master Yahuwah said to my master, of course, quoting one of my favorite scriptures, Psalm 110, sit at my right hand until I make your enemies your footstool. Therefore, let the whole house of Israel know assuredly that the master Yahuwah has made known that the same Yahushua whom you crucified as both king and Messiah. Now, when they heard this, oh, they were pierced to their very, very hearts. Their leavenote, it says in the Hebrew. And he said unto Kepha and to the rest of the shlechim, apostles, men and Israelite brothers, what shall we do? And then Kepha said unto them, Shuv. That's the Hebrew word. It means you've been traveling in the wrong direction. It's time to turn around and go back to where you started, which was Exodus chapter 19. Come back to the covenant. Come back to the Elohim of Israel. He speaks, me and my father, we speak the same word. I don't speak some kind of word that contradicts my father from the mountain with this whole new lawless gospel of syncretism. Me and my father are one. And I don't speak my own words, but I speak the word of the Father from the Mount in Exodus 19 because the Son and the Father are an Echad plurality. There is no tension between them. They are in perfect harmony as an Echad plurality. The one plural Elohim. Shema, Israel, Yahuwah, Elohim, Yahuwah, Echad. The Hebrew word Echad is a compound unity. And that is paramount for understanding our faith. And then we see here in verse 38, And Kepha said to them, Shuv, repent, and be immersed, every one of you, in the name of the Master Yah, Yahushua the Messiah, for the forgiveness of sins, and you shall receive the manifestation gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and it's for your children and for all of those that are far off. Even as many as Yahuwah our Elohim shall call, as many, as many. He is long-suffering. And with many other words did he testify and exhort them, saying, Save yourself from this sinful generation. Then, then how much more today? then how much more today? Then they gladly received his word there and they were immersed and the same day were added to them about 3,000 beings. Of course, this is the fulfillment of everything. Everything that went wrong is now corrected because of the Messiah, which is, of course, what the prophets prophesied. The purpose of the Messiah is to correct Everything that went wrong. And in the correction, Acts chapter 2, wouldn't it then be a manifestation of what went wrong? 3,000 slayed at the golden calf, 3,000 added in number for the full ratification of the book of the covenant. At the golden calf, the law was added, the book of the law until the time of reformation when the seed would come, the book of the law added at the golden calf, 3,000 slaughtered, the book of the law being a schoolmaster, being a tutor, being the handwriting that was against you, now you're restored back to the mountain, the book of the covenant, which is Torah under a Malkitzedic administration verse 42, and they were continuing steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine and in fellowship and in the breaking of the loaves and in prayers. And of course, this is the four pillars of our daily bread. And these are some really important spiritual tools for our spiritual hope in these upcoming days. Number one, We need to be in the apostles' teaching, which is Torah fulfillment. It's the power. It's the work. It's the manifestation of the Holy Spirit. It's the doctrine of Yahuwah, which makes you a yah fearer. Am I a fearer? Yes. How many times when we were in the church, it was always about Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And I remember being in the traditional church and we'll go, why do they never not talk about God? I don't get it. It's all about Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. And you'd never hear about the Father. Because what they were doing is they were so focused on the Son. But the purpose of the Son is to bring forth salvation so that you can know the Father. And the only way that you even get to know the Son is because the Ruach HaKodesh draws you unto the Father through the Son. So it was so fractured, whereas now in the fullness of Torah you have the compound unity. We know the Father, we know the Son, we know the Holy Spirit. It should all be the manifestation of our faith. It's not, it's, not, it's not fractured anymore. It's the full counsel of Elohim. That's what Yahuwah wants us to know. Acts chapter 10 and verse 13, we're classified as Yah-fearers. That's what we are. Number two of the four pillars of our daily bread is fellowship. Now the Hebrew word here is Tesumeth, and it means by being united together with that Ekad plurality of Yahweh, then we become united with one another. And with that bond, no secular world can overcome our friendship. No secular world can overcome us. And don't you know sometimes when you just meet a brother or you meet a sister, and because you have that Ekad bond in the Saviour, it's closer than family. Because you there there it there's that bond. And you're like, oh you're a brother from another mother, right? That the secular world cannot comprehend. Because you cannot manufacture that. Because you can sense the Ruach in another person. And you go, we're of the same family. We have the same father. We have the same Ruach, the same mother. And that's where you see the rub with the world. Because they cover that and they try and manufacture it with all of this secular stuff. When ultimately, they all turn on one another. Black lives matter, or we're a family of unity. They're all going to turn. They'll be cannibals, just eating one another and devouring one another, and that's what happens. You know, communism. Oh, we're all working together, and then they end up devouring because they can never have the authenticity because it's not conversion. It's slavery. And that's why there's a rub with the world. Number three, of course, the breaking of bread. And these latter two now flow out of the first two. We break bread together. We commune together. And when we commune together, we pray together. That's the pillars of our faith. Look at verse 43 and we'll finish up and see if we can take some Questions or some chat with you today. And verse 43, And fear came upon every being, and many wonders and signs were done by the shlechin, the apostles. And all that believed, they were echad. And they had all things being yachad, one. And they sold their possessions and goods and divided them to all men, as every man had need. And they continued daily, as echad as one in the temple the bet Hamikdash. see they're still going to temple they're breaking bread from house to house why are they still going to temple if they've come to the revelation of the malchizedek priesthood because there's a whole bunch of priests that they're going to pull out of that system that you're going to see in acts chapter six that's what they're doing. And you and I, we need to be pulling people out of this system before it absolutely implodes as it did in 70 of the common era. Now, it's now or never. I mean, we're, we're getting near implosion time. That's all I'm saying. And they were breaking bread from house to house and they did eat food with joy and with a pure heart. And they were offering prayers unto Yahuwah and they were having favor with all people and Yahweh added to the congregation of Israel daily all those being saved so keep up the good work all of you out there on the Torah to the Tribes Connect platforms you are making a difference bringing people into fellowship making those connections and sometimes digitally digitally excuse me you can make connections really fast and just you know inviting people into the faith hey come and watch this teaching hey come and join a shabbat fellowship hey how about joining the prayer group how about you know we've got these platforms where we hope that you can connect with one another out there in the nations go to to TorahToTheTribes.com forward slash connect and connect on the zoom platforms it is a good way for you to start off in the fellowship because we don't want to be divided we want to be scattered Acts chapter 2, for me, is that inception point. And we really, really need to wake up to the deceptions that are out there because what gets us into trouble is not what we don't know. It's what we know for sure that just ain't so. All right, let's see if we got you on the chat today. If you want me to see you, redline me and uh, get your friends on uh, Facebook over here because they're most probably wondering what happened to us today. I think Facebook did an update or something. They made some big changes this week on the Google platform, so it may be just a matter of time before you jump over to Bitshoot and check us out on Bitshoot, and um, we'll go from there. So, let's see here. I can work this. Of course I can, you know I can. Let me refresh. Good question here from Liz Rockhill. Shabbat Shalom, Liz. She says, how do I go about telling my children what is coming and trying to rid of video games? Do you have any resources and fun things they can do that is good that they would enjoy? You know, um, when there's when my children were, were young, we started our children off in... Um, the the JPS, which is the Jewish Publication Society um, Bible, okay, which is thematic. I really enjoyed that because it's got great artwork, and it thematically takes you through the scriptures. So it takes you know several dozen. Um, Tanakh, Old Testament accounts in scripture with the JPS translation, which is which is fairly decent when you're, it's Masoretic text. So it's decent, you know, especially for children. And Moshe, how many times do you think you read through that? Yeah, at least. He's, it says nine right there. So he read through that nine times. Now, what did that do? Most probably even more than that, to tell you the truth. Um, it, it really gave a good thematic foundation for those um, accounts in the Tanakh, the Old Testament, which now we can build upon. And you go, well, that, how's that going to replace video games? Well, yeah, we have to renew the mind from the digital and get into back into the Bible text. And of course, there's some great feast books, too, on how to keep the feasts. And depending on the age of your children, you can get into arts and crafts and things like that now also the navigators the navigators many of you may have done that when you were younger the navigators has got a great um way of scripture memorization and games and then um, that you can play with your children and then also there's um the what's the bible game that we play where um you have all the questions it's kind of like what's it called Bible bible charades is that what it's called that's a fun one, too. So, you know, we just try and fill our house, especially when the children were younger, with that type of thing. And when was the last time, Moshe, who's 14, that you played on a video game? Yeah, I don't think he's ever played on a video game. So, you know, that's just the way we raised our children. doesn't make it right or wrong, but, you know, I played on video games, Atari and stuff like that, and it never did me any good. So I wasn't going to try. And th- I wasn't thinking my children were missing out. You know, my <coughs> poor deprived children haven't had video games. You know, it's a crazy world. We just try and keep everything in the scripture and in prayer. And those four pillars that we were speaking about right there, that's what it's all about for, for us. Now, Does Papa get involved in um, a little bit of technology? Well, you bet I do, especially if it's linked to a conspiracy theory. I was really disappointed to find out. Now, I knew this would come up today. I was really disappointed to find out that I live 40 miles down the Blooming Road from Stonehenge and somebody forwarded me something this week and then I I watched it and then I dug into it a little bit more. And basically, you know, we'd all been believing that Stonehenge was built 4,000 years ago and the reality of it is there was a couple of massive stones lying around there for sure and for sure. And there were several of them that were standing up somewhat lopsided. But basically, in the 20th century, they brought a full landscaping crew in there with cranes, shipped about another dozen in there by lorry, and they built the whole thing with blooming um, concrete and everything. It's, it's totally fake. Yes, they imagined what it would be like, but, but, but that's called fake. It's not authentic. The stones are authentic, but they come from all various places of southern England, and there did happen to be some there in the 19th century. But what they've got today, they don't tell you that stuff. I was really disappointed, but again, just like I said with Mark Twain, beginning, you don't, you, you question all of that. And I know some of you, you know, when Red Bull went up to 140,000 feet and they opened up the. Uh, opened up the door and he was about to jump out on the Red Bull thing and all of you saw, oh, they forgot to switch to the fisheye lens. And many of you then, the paradigm shift happened. You see, things just aren't quite so. That one was a big one for me, Stonehenge, because I was there just a couple of years ago. And I was like, oh my goodness, but there is truth. There is a certain root of truth involved in all of this stuff. Just like the birth of the church in in Acts chapter 2. There's some truth. Yes, they were together, but then they construct upon it. And the next thing you know, a generation later, you just accept the construction as the whole gamut. So, anyway. Oh, Chris, FEMA Region 4. Want to go break down Stonehenge with me? Oh, my goodness. Libby, Libby Tube, have you ever checked out Bible Pathway Adventures for Family Bible Fun and Learning? So far, it looks pretty good to me. Yes, maybe connect with Libby, and she may have some good things for you and your children. Thanks, Libby. We try to keep it biblical all the way until Papa gets into conspiracies, but that's always a bit of fun. The Uncompromising Church, he says thus... What say you about attending Sunday church to witness to those who are still lost? Well, I say, um, give it a crack if you can. Your experience could be highly different than mine. But what I found is that going back into the church, I could never do it. Because when I did, I realized that they did not want to leave. Their vessels were sieves. Not ready, and so therefore it was like, oh, and we tried, you know. We just, you know, a few years ago we went. We thought, well, we'll go a little bit. Well, let's try something different. So where did we end up going? To the mennonite We went to the Mennonite church, you know. We thought, oh, we'll go nice and orthodox, as orthodox as we can. And uh, my children are little, and we hadn't been to church. I hadn't been back in a church for a decade, maybe. So we end up in this Mennonite church. Of course, we didn't think it all through. What month was it? Was it January or was it December? December. It was December. Oh, good grief. Forgot about that, didn't I? They bring, they bring my children who've never been to a church, and they call them up, and I said, well, did I let all four of you go up? Or was it just you and Hattie? I think it was just Moshe and Haddy. And I said, yeah, it'd be okay. I was right there. I thought, oh, they're just going to go up and do a Bible. Re-. Oh, my goodness. They go up and they start having you read in a Christmas carol or something. Moshe, of course, he said, no, I'm not doing it. And they're like, what? And they're looking back at me like, what have you got us into? And I felt like, what have I got myself? I couldn't believe it. So that was our experience. So, you know, maybe you'll have a better one. But they'll try and rope you into And the next thing you know, you'll be doing the Our Father and the Hail Mary and the Rosemary. And you're like, how did we get back into this? It never quite works out the way you think because a lot of people, they're happy that way. They don't want to leave. So, Alida says, precious brother Matthew Nolan, blessings to you and your family. You are in our prayers. Greetings from the Netherlands. Oh, thank you, Baruch Hashem, Yahuwah, that you're in the Netherlands. Maybe we should all flee to the Netherlands. Is it safe in the Netherlands? It's not? Doug's saying no. Doug's saying we're not going to the Netherlands. All right, it's Europe, so you never know. But blessings to you, Alida. We are so blessed that there are people all over the world that are tuning in. William R. says, Matthew, this is off topic. Well, William, we don't do anything off topic here on Torah to the Tribes, as you can see. I never get off topic. But this is pressing the next few days. What about the eclipse of the moon and the conjunct... Larry, you ready for this one? Larry might know this. I won't know this off the top of my heart or head. Um, What about the eclipse of the moon and the conjunction of Saturn and Jupiter? Any insight on how that might play out on a timeline? Larry? Larry's got nothing. I need my glasses because I'm trying to cozy up to the screen too much and I'm realizing why now. Let's get these bad boys on. There we go. That's better. I can see clearly now. All right. Oh, here's a good username The Bearded Man Adrenaline. Shabbat Shalom, brother! All I want to know is where is the Hanukkah hat? Yeah, is it Hanukkah? Today? We are in the midst, aren't we? Bloomin' Henry, that was a day, that was a time. The Hanukkah hat. That was a big, that upset a lot of people when I stopped when I stopped celebrating Hanukkah. Ah, Colin, speak. Has Matthew heard of a book entitled Back to the Malkazim? The Zedek Future by David I. Perry. I have never, of course I've heard of it. In fact, you can download it on our website, and David Perry has been hugely instrumental in my life and this ministry, and that book is phenomenal if you want my opinion. Yes, I know David very, very well. David reached out to me when I had my red shoes on down at Passion for Truth with Jim Staley. He reached out to me after seeing that teaching. And um, I was teaching on the Malki then. And again, over the years, people said, well, how did you come to this revelation? Over the years, I always have had a heart for for reading the scripture and always wanting to try and understand it more. In the book of Leviticus, when I was in the church, my wife and I would always circle, especially my wife, you know, this is a, a everlasting ordinance throughout your generations. And we'd be like, well, why aren't we doing it then? Oh, well, we don't do that anymore. It's not really forever. I'm like, "But well, it says forever. Throughout your genera." Oh, don't worry about that. Oh, okay, you know. So in our NIV, the Shabbat, this is an everlasting ordinance throughout your generations. Not really, only kidding. Major problem. Then the book of Hebrews, and I was like, there's a connection between Hebrews and Leviticus. What is it? And, you know, over the years... Little ple- people, little people, people would come along and, and help me with my studies and maybe give me a teaching or a video or, or maybe speak into my life and it would just another piece. So, you know, David Perry was another big piece to that picture with really breaking down the dichotomy between the book of the law and the book of the covenant. So, yeah, that's a great, uh, that's a great book, great book. Let's see what else we got Yekart 85, why did you stop celebrating Hanukkah? Go and check out the Hanukkah teaching on this channel and uh, see if you agree. See if you agree. I'll lay it all out. See if you agree. That would be a good good challenge for you. (laughs) The Libby Tube says, Mary asked not sh- how not sure how to red line so I'm using a red crayon instead <laughs> I love it my husband wants me to sign up for Medicare I don't want to be in the system what are your thoughts I don't know your personal situation I haven't walked in your footsteps and I don't know where you're at so I have to be very careful um, not to overstep my boundaries because I don't know where you're at as for me I'm pulling out of everything that I can, which includes Medicare and all of that. I don't want anything to do with it. But that's just me. Now, I understand and I know that when you sign up for a privilege, you get penalties. I want freedom. And I don't want anything... From anybody except I want it from Yahuwah and I want it be with Yahuwah's people and I don't I that's just me so but I don't know your situation if you can afford not to be in Medicare then maybe don't there's a lot of great alternatives out there isn't there for sure and for certain Cairo, Alexander, I would agree with you. Better off without doctors than with them. I think medicine has a very important role in our life, doctors. They cut, they burn, and they drug. And that's okay. If you're in a traffic accident, ya forbid, then I think you should go to the doctors. You've had a tremendous... That person's had a tremendous injury. You might need to be cut. You might need to be cauterized to stop the bleeding, burn, and you may need some drugs to get over the pain but if you have a disease then I don't think you need to be cut, drunk, or, bu- or uh, cut, burnt or drugged I don't think being burnt with chemotherapy is necessarily the right thing to do but then again I haven't had to make those decisions so I'm not going to judge somebody who has these are hard things to weigh But when you see that medicine, traditional medicine in the Western world is cut, burn, and drug, there's times for being cut, burned, and drug. And I broke my collarbone, you know, I I was all right. I I, I took some hydrocodone for like two days. Now, if I got hooked on hydrocodone, we'd have a major problem, right? how many feet did you fall 28 28 feet and you were on some drugs right six six months are you on them anymore no okay so you need it was a good job you were cut right they cut you you were cauterized you were burnt and you were drugged but you fell 28 feet off a blooming ladder that's not you know that's applicable So, there you go. Good grief. What am I getting into here? Uncompromising Church says, aren't we gathering for Passover 2021 for the Upper Room Experience? Hallelujah. I pray so. I pray so. We really, really do need to be together for the Moadim. Well, this ties in with a Moadim, constantly questioning, when are you visiting the Ozarks? Well, do you have a place ready for us? Chris, Re- FEMA Region 4, you still got those red shoes? Yes, I do. I should bust them out here sometime, shouldn't I, and do some kind of funny teaching on communism or something. John Schukel says, Communism is man's feeble attempt to have the counterfeit of Acts 2.44 without Yah. Exactly, and it is feeble and more feeble. Um, Maxager 29 says, Question, when I die, where does my spirit go when the body dies? We are body, soul, and spirit. The body goes back from whence it came, the dust. The Ruach, the spirit, goes back to whence it came, to Yahweh, And the soul is all of your memories, experiences, and your person. Everything that you've done on this earth. And that is either recorded in the book of life or the soul is blotted out. Body, soul, and spirit. Yahweh's memory of us all is the soul recorded or (laughs) blotted out, never to be written back in again because there's no room. Giant killer, what was the Bible programs you used to teach your children again? um it we well we read the jps the jps um picture bible really good we did the navigators and we do the bible the bible um quizzy thing oh so much so so much so we'll talk about it next time we see i can't think of it all right now see here what else you've got All right, I'll take a couple of more questions if you want to put them up there. Baruch Hashem, Yahuwah. Kevin Niebling, Shabbat Shalom, brother. How are you? He says, did you interpret the characters of Melech Dawid's name? No, I didn't. That would be good. Throw it up in the chat right now. Let's get the um, breakdown on the paleo. Somebody on King David's name. I think that would be really, really good. Baruch Hashem, Yahuwah. That would be really good. Throw that up in in the chat. Holy Hippie Shekinah says, Hi, Matthew. I've been so thankful to come across your ministry. Well, thank you, Baruch Hashem, Yahuwah. Very well-rounded. Well, some would disagree on that, but thank you. Um, I just wanted to share, I think you may be very encouraged by reading Ezekiel 36 at this moment in time. Well, thank you. I will go home and read that. I certainly will. I certainly will. Thank you so much. Wow. Ah, oh, Mary Trotter says, red line with a crayon. My husband is afraid of me having a stroke, etc. Then all his retirement is lost. I believe fear is of you know who, so that's why I don't want it. And there are many alternatives there in, in stroke prevention, right? Um, and um, that's something that you could possibly look into. But again, fear is a fear, and stress are big, you know. Um, contributors two strokes so brother don right here how many strokes have you had two what a miracle man i saw this guy in the hospital right after a stroke like immediately and one of the most powerful experiences he was just ready to go you could barely move and you're like yahoo not done with me and your 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 strength of faith Your vocalization of truth and power manifest in his body. So that was really faith in action to me. Much respect for Don and the example that you live through that. So, you know, a lot of it too is not succumbing to the fear, not, not succumbing to the fear. Here's a good question, truth like Velcro. Do you think the ancient Hebrew from the days of Abraham was imprinted on the DNA of the Hebrews in the upper room and that's what they heard? Yes, I do. It is the DNA helix, of course, of Jacob's Yaakov's ladder, and that's what they're trying to break down. And it's coming, they're, they're gonna redist they're gonna distribute all these vaccines, which is gonna decimate the DNA. Decimate. Because the last thing they want to do, they want you to take the lead Zeppelin. Stairway to heaven, not Yaakov's ladder. (laughs) Dichotomy right there. It's always been. It's always been. Oh, did you put your interpretation up there, Mr. Niebling? I can't see it. Where is it? Ah, Mama Goose, Shabbat Shalom, Mama Goose. We'll finish up with Mama Goose up there. She says, Shabbat Shalom, blessings to you and your family. Baby, Baby Goose is crawling and mobile. Pray for us. Oh, we will be praying for for you. When those little babies, those little babies get mobile, oh, my goodness, your house will never be the same. There's going to be gates. There's going to be padding. There's going to be all kinds of contraptions that you will not. It'll be a, a maze, and we will definitely pray for you. There shall be no rest in... No, I'm kidding. We do pray for rest in your house, but I don't think you'll be getting as much as many of us with older children. Kevin Niebling, we'll finish up with you, brother. Um, He gives us the breakdown of Melek Darweed in the live chat. He's got the Dalet, the door, the tent or house. And of course, we've got the valve, the nail, the stake, the fastener. Then we've got the Dalet, the door, house and fastened to house. It's the two houses. David means the beloved. It's the bringing in of the two houses together. Through The hand that was pierced brings about the rebuilding of that fallen tabernacle of David. There's no rebuilding without the nailed hand pierced for you and I that will give us the resurrection from this earthly tent. Yahuwah bless you and keep you. Yahuwah's face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. Yahuwah lift his countenance upon you, my brethren. And may you bless. Experience in your life, truly, the peace of Yahushua the Messiah that surpasses all understanding in these days and these times ahead. Thank you for your support of this ministry, and I pray that we can be together as brothers and sisters in prayer and in bond in 2021 for the Feast of Passover Pray for it, pray for us, pray for one another, and connect together, not only in the chat, in the comments down below, edify one another, try and make connections with each other. Don't be isolated in this time when the world is trying to break the bonds of human fellowship, trying to hide the characteristics, Panaim El Panaim, the face-to-face that man seeks with his brother, because Yahuwah is drawing us out of this system. Don't contract with the devil. Make that contract with Yahuwah, which only comes through the pierced hands of the Savior, Yahushua. Shabbat Shalom.